everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Avanti Insights Podcast. This is episode nine. I'm your host, Adrian Vernon. Today, I'm joined by our usual cast of characters. We have Phil Richards, our chief security officer at Avanti, and Chris Gettle, senior director of product management here at Avanti as well. Gentlemen, welcome. Great to have you both together here this time around. Phil, we missed you the last couple episodes when we were on with the world's most connected human, Chris Dancy. Uh, that is exciting. I I listened to it. It was engaging and wonderful, and I'm glad I wasn't uh, I wasn't there to to ruin everything. <laughs> well, oh, geez, Phil, you're not giving yourself enough credit. So you're not going to ruin anything here. We, we're glad to have you back in the fold. So today, guys, we're talking about the everywhere workplace and the findings from a new Avanti survey. Now, this survey, which just released this week, the survey polled. 1,900 adults in the U.S. and U.K. who worked remotely at some point in the past year. Now, guys, I have to tell you these results, you might be surprised by what percentage indicate they take a shower, go to the bathroom, or don't wear any pants during a meeting. Now, I'm not talking about PJs, you know, pajama bottoms. Many of us do that, but I'm talking no pants at all. And we're going to save those stats for later. We're going to a little teaser there. Let's drill into some of the other key business findings. So a couple stats that jumped out to me from this study are that 64% of respondents would rather be able to work from anywhere than get a promotion. And 49% would be willing to take a pay cut in exchange for being able to work from anywhere. And the final stat I'll throw at you and let you absorb it is, Nearly half, 48% of respondents claim they're working more during non-office hours than before the pandemic as a result of being home. So Chris, let's start with you. What does this mean for organizations moving forward? If you think about how people were working pre-COVID, you know, I, I live over an hour away from the office that I office out of, depending on, I live in Minnesota, so it could have been based on, uh, we have two seasons here. There's road construction and winter. So depending on how that goes, if there's road construction along that stretch of highway that I'm on, those could back up my, my drive quite a bit. If it's a winter related thing, if the storm was coming in and I didn't leave the office by a certain time, there was a one way drive that I had that was about three and a half hours. So if you think about just something like that, that's in Minnesota. There's places like Chicago, the West Coast, you know, other areas where the drives are even more outrageous at times. A lot of that doesn't really surprise me. You know, it, I, I worked from home one day a week, typically uh, before. So I'd go into the office Monday through Thursday, I'd work home on Fridays. And uh, it was a great balance for me pre-COVID. Post-COVID, I think that I'll probably get down to like two to three days a week that I'd work remote. And you know, I'd be saving on gas. I'd be saving over a couple hours a day on an average day. And in some cases, three or more hours. That That is a huge amount of additional time and uh, money saved right there. Would I be willing to work a few extra hours because I don't have to spend that time in the car? Probably. Would I be willing to take a, a, a bit of a pay cut or, you know, maybe be locked in at the, the pay grade that I'm at and not get some increases for a while? Probably because again, I'm still saving a lot of money on wear and tear on my vehicle, on gas money, on time spent in commutes and things like that instead. So not surprising, actually, coming from my perspective. Now, with that, Phil, I'm going to toss it over to you. So let's go back to this stat that I mentioned a minute ago. 48% say that they're working more uh, in the in the pandemic world as a result of working from home. And Chris, you and I talked about this just offline a few days ago, that that predictability 
of people being online kind of from eight to five or nine to five, that's all gone. Phil, what does that mean as we move forward? Well, it means a couple of different things, I, I, I guess. Num- number one is it gets us a lot closer to the ability to use a follow the sun model when it comes to staffing, right? I mean, we can we can staff people up for when they're awake during their daytime hours and, and, and expect better results, I think, as a result of the pandemic than we've, than we've had uh, previous. And let me just give you a quick example. I, I recently hired a new person on my team and uh, she happens to be working remote. For that position before the pandemic, without question, I, I would have had to ha- have that person local. Uh, I, I would not have thought that the job could be done in a, in a 100% remote kind of a situation. Now, post-pandemic, I didn't even have a second thought about not hiring that person to be able to work remotely. I have total confidence that the job can be done remotely. I have more confidence, and I'm sure that a lot of managers are in the same boat. I have more confidence that that job can be done remotely than I did before having had the experience where everybody is remote for the past year and, and three or four months. That's really one of the major takeaways when it comes to, uh, you know, what are, what are we seeing in, ter- in terms of changes around productivity for remote workers? All right, so Phil, let's stick with you on this. So let's go back to the stat that 64% of respondents, they'd rather be able to work from anywhere than get a promotion. Now tack that on. So they re- people really do want to work from home or anywhere as we move forward. It's not totally up to them. Now, 14% say only 14% say they'd like to head back to the office full time, but it's right. not totally their choice. As you talk with your peers kind of around the industry, where do you expect organizations to head with this and what mandates are they going to make or not make? Well, it's a good question. And and, and I think one of the things that that really needs to come out of this and and is coming out of this is organizations, especially the IT component in, in, in a lot of organizations are realizing that they need to be accommodating of uh, of remote or hybrid work model. And and this is going to be challenging to a a lot of organizations that have typically spent money on infrastructure, making sure that employees are able to work well from the office. Now, when I hire a new person, I need to be able to make, I, I need to make sure that that hardware equipment is not only shipped to them, but that it's adequately configured that their, that their home network meets the need meets or exceeds the needs of, of the business that from a security perspective, we need to make sure that we're extending the security protections to those remote workers and to their remote work situations, sometimes which involves you know, home networks and, and home IoT and things like that. Those are additional big, big challenges. And it's really up to the IT teams to ensure that they're delivering that access that, that employees need as a top priority for the organization. I think the challenge now becomes not that they only have to worry about the network in the office, but also they have to worry about the networks at home. And, and one of the interesting things I saw was another study that Avanti put out in February, and this is the 2021 Secure Consumer Cyber Report. And it found that 24% of consumers in the United States and 20% in the UK uh, were using work email and passwords to log into other online accounts that had nothing to do with their work. So the problem with that, what that means is that when those other services are compromised, and we've seen several places where those services are hacked and passwords are dumped and things like that, 
then work credentials are now available in the open market. And and we've seen a lot of situations where, where, where that is occurring. So so IT teams need to be only all the more vigilant around user credentials, access, either rotating passwords or, or, or a different sort of mechanism, maybe the zero trust model or password list authentication, uh, so that users' uh, credentials aren't borrowed and aren't leveraged uh, with other cloud services, maybe have nothing to do with work at all. So I'm going to throw this out to both of you. It's kind of some speculation. We're going to put you in prediction mode. We're going to put you in Oracle mode. And Chris, we're going to start with you. So we heard Phil a couple minutes ago say he had an employee where he thought there's no way that that job could be done remotely. And the and now having forced to be to have that person work remotely, it opened his eyes that, hey, you know what? This really isn't a problem. So how many other Phil Richards are there around the globe who have had their eyes open in that way? And will 86% of organizations say, yes, it's fine for you to work fully from home the way that 86% of respondents are saying, I don't want to go back to the office full time? Yeah, I, th- I think that there's definitely going to be a, a lot of people who are going to change their mentality about that. There, there's certain things that require you to have more face-to-face, more you know, direct interactions. Let's take uh, you know, engineers, product managers, uh, a place of the world that I live in you know, every day. I have to interact with all of my product managers in my team. They have to interact with the product groups that they work with, engineers. It's a lot easier to work with an engineering team when you're crossing over the same time zone, when you're able to be able to go to the office and have those interactions where, yes, at the start of a project, you may need to have a deeper whiteboarding architectural discussion. But once you get into day-to-day mode for that release, you could get to the point where there's a lot more work remote and occasional uh, sync-ups. So I think a lot of organizations are going to find many roles can go, uh, they're going to have this cyclical kind of periods of work that require that better interaction and periods of work that can go into that remote work mode for extended periods and be successful. So with my team, I'm fully expecting that I'm going to have certain key points during release cycles where I will be wanting them to be deeper into face-to-face discussions with their engineering teams and other parts of the release cycle where it's day to day and you know they can they can let the engineers do their thing and only reach out when there's you know need for clarification or things like that and then my group can focus on other activities that they can do outside of the office that don't require those deeper interactions so i think a lot of us are going to find roles that that can handle that hybrid but i don't think i don't think too many companies are going to find 100% work remote i think it'll be somewhere in between Phil, how about you? Do you do you put it in between? Do you put it closer to 100%? Where do you fall on the spectrum? Oh, I, I think it's going to be in between. Um, clearly, humans crave uh, human interaction and contact, and there's going to be uh, there's going to continue to be some of that. Synergies work better when people are together in, in, in a lot of circumstances. That being said, there is definitely going to be more remote work, more desire for people to be able to work from home. The reality is with with transportation the way it is right now, I can be anywhere in the United States literally overnight. So, so I don't necessarily need to be living in a place where uh, the office is. Oftentimes, uh, corporations are, are sprawled or spread across the United States or across, around the world anyway. So being at one place kind of minimally reduces your chance of needing to travel that you know that that being said there there certainly are going to be 
a number of corporations that are going to insist that employees need to be local. And one of the things that's going to be challenging is, and, and, and a lot of corporations are going to deal with this, is they're going to have to do the calculation about uh, if I require that, that you know that my my staff be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for example, that means that I can hire in Tulsa, Oklahoma only, and uh, my competitor might be hiring across the entire you know globe, which means that the the competitor has access to more talent. He's able to fill positions more quickly and able to get people spun up and started faster. That's going to be a competitive advantage, and companies are going to be faced with that, and they're going to be doing that calculation, and eventually. Companies that are even a little bit more stodgy about uh, needing to have people uh, in the office are going to find that in order to be competitive, they're going to have to offer uh, the ability to work remotely. I think that's a great angle and that's a great thought, that competitive advantage. we uh, Organizations are going to be p- pushed by others in their industry, you know, to kind of perhaps follow suit in order to keep up. That's a great point. All right. Now, before we dive into how many people have admitted that they haven't worn pants on a call or they've been in a shower or going to the bathroom, before we get there, one other thing, and this is maybe a little more of the darker side of what we've seen in the past year. Now, 40% have admitted they're concerned about the lack of physical movement throughout the day. And the Office of National Statistics, which the ONS, which is in the UK, it reported just this month in May, or I guess last month by the time we air this, uh, that we're seeing an increase of more than double the number of adults experiencing depression than before the pandemic. It's gone up from 10% to 21%. Now, that may not all be attributable to working from home, obviously. The pandemic has had a big uh, role in that. But as you both being people managers, what kind of stake are you going to put for your teams and encourage your peers to put in their teams on employee health moving forward? Yeah, I definitely have taken additional steps to make sure that uh, my employees are taking those mental breaks, you know, especially for, you know, we've, I've got teams across the globe from India all the way to the West Coast. You know, I want to make sure that on a Friday, that my my India and Romania PMs are not being sucked into uh, a call at five o'clock on uh, West Coast time, which is like in the middle of the night for them. Like there's, there's certain things like that, that I'm trying to make sure that people are conscious of. If you are, you know, taking some longer calls or some early calls, take a break somewhere in the middle of the day, go get a bike ride in, go take a walk over lunch, do, do something like that. If you need to, you know, go to a doctor's appointment or something like that, we're able to work flexibly. Go do that appointment that you need to and uh, respond to the things that are urgent that, you know, when you get back into the office. So encouraging those things, but also leading by example. If I've got to take a doctor's appointment, letting my team know, you know, through Teams or Slack or whatever you're using or via an email, hey guys, I'm going to be out of the office for uh, about an hour and a half here to an appointment. You know, I'll, I'll be back in around this time. Having that type of example coming from you helps to encourage them that it's okay to be able to step away and then come back and respond to things later. When it comes to the end of the week, encourage them to make sure to take that that longer break. You know, as as we're recording this one, we're coming into a holiday weekend in the US. I made sure to touch base with every one of my team members before they either left early for vacation or as they were wrapping up their day to say, hey, um, make sure to disconnect this weekend. I want you back in, you know, next week fully recharged. So don't don't spend time, you know, stressing yourself out on things. Go enjoy yourself, right? But we we definitely have to be more conscious of that. 
we've all been contained for this past year in a way that many people have never really had to experience before. And it's it, a lot of people are struggling with it. Yeah, I agree. And Phil, is there anything you might expand upon in what Chris threw out there? Uh, Chris said, said it all quite well. The only thing is it, it, just to underscore how important it is as managers to stay in touch with your team, uh, make sure that you know what they're, what, what they're doing, what they're working on. I've come to realize that certain individuals take responsibility very personally. And in, in, if you don't check up on them, they will work themselves into 60, 70, 80, 90 hour work weeks without, without asking permission or without uh, asking for any kind of a relief. And you'll find out about it when they decide to leave the organization. Which is the wrong thing for you know for all of you know for the whole for the whole group. So it, it, it's bad for the employee and it's bad for the for the team. One of the things that we do to one of Chris's other points, we have a Friday music roundup where where everybody gets to share uh, a couple of different uh, pieces of music that they enjoy. You know, we, we make it kind of theme based and everything like that. And I've got a team that's that's global, so it's really interesting to see how. How music tastes vary from from around the world. So lots of fun things you can do to, uh, to to try to lighten things up, to try to you know turn the team into into more of a of a personal you know uh, friend at work sort of a situation, and not just a, a, a colleague where you're where you're interacting at you know at, at a job all the time. And I would say those musical tastes not just varying by culture or by region, but also by generation as you have multi-generational team members, right? Uh, across the spectrum. All right. So guys, let's wrap things up. At the top of the show, I threw out a couple teasers there. And did you know, here's the, here, we're going to reveal this now, 16% of respondents in this survey we were talking about have taken video calls while not wearing pants. Now I can understand the 46% of respondents who wore pajama pants, but no pants at all. Really? Um, well, I can, two things here. Uh, first of all, I, I don't feel like I need to know the, the, the pants habits of any of the team members on my team. Uh, secondly, just in case anybody is wondering, I'm definitely a pants on kind of a guy. That's, uh, that's really all I want to say about that. <laughs> I don't think there's anything particularly safe in that space. <laughs> All right, Chris, you were saying, hey, you know what? This kind of introduces a whole new angle of hygiene and not just security hygiene. You agree? Right. No, I, my, a whole big part of my product portfolio focuses on device hygiene, you know, patch management, app control, privilege management, good security hygiene at the device level. Showering, not wearing pants. <laughs> that's a whole different level of hygiene that I don't know if I want to know about on those exactly. calls. So. Yeah, no, that's that's some of that is a little bit shocking. I definitely yeah. know the pajama pants one. You know, like I've had team members who like, you know, they they joined a call really early in the morning and they were still, you know, in pajamas. That was totally cool. I didn't uh, comment on the bedhead or anything. It was all good. But no pants at all. Yeah, don't yeah, forget about it and stand up. Chris, you're bringing up a really interesting point, which is we've seen, you know, kids march through through teams calls and dogs barking in the middle of teams calls and I think it embarrasses the person whose child or dog it is more than everybody else. I think we're all learning to be quite adaptable in those situations because everybody's everybody's got it right. I mean, we've got uh, little kids running around the house and you know, and and, and pets and, and and emergencies and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that's just real life happening. Absolutely. I totally agree, Phil. When that happens on a call that I'm on, that doesn't phase me in the least when I'm the one observing it, but it does seem like the, the person that it's happening to, they do get a little flushed 
And I, yeah. I just think that's natural. All right. Well, and then the final stat, guys, is 29% say they used the bathroom or took a shower while on a conference call. So that's where that mute button really comes in handy. Yeah. Just remember to use the mute button. Double check. <laughs> Please, you know. <laughs> no, that's not a time that you want to be messing up, messing up and having the mute button on off when you think it's on. Yeah, video too. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, listen, thanks for the time today. We will wrap things up. Enjoy your three-day weekend. Is here, even though we're recording this a few days before release, we're heading in the Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S., and this will release in early June. So, guys, have a great holiday weekend. And, folks, until next time, stay safe, be secure, and keep smiling.